Irish Illustrated Insider, Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley. Pete Sampson back from Mexico. I don't know if you were patrolling the border or if you were... <laughs> You were on vacation. Uh, definitely on vacation. Oh, good. Okay. I can tell you it's right. a lovely thought, country down there. I thought you were attending to border matters no, down definitely there. definitely not. And it wasn't okay. Mexico, Indiana, my like kids, last year? No. My no. kids were a little concerned. It's like, so we can get back? <laughs> <laughs> um, and we did. That's good to know. Just took a while. Wel- welcome back. <laughs> this is the first of three Irish Illustrated Insider podcasts this week. As we uh, approach the final week of spring practice, practice number 13 on Tuesday, which we will have access to. Number 14 on Thursday, which we will not, but we will talk to uh, the coordinators. And then we'll have a preview on Friday uh, with Monday, Wednesday, Friday podcast. So, first of all, we're going to start with, uh, obviously, we addressed this in our instant analysis after practice on Saturday. Beautiful day in South Bend. Great being in Notre Dame Stadium. Uh, But we want to go further into what we saw on Saturday. And, Tim, um, again, you had the defensive side of the ball Go. Yeah, had the defensive ball, and I watched the side of the ball you were reporting on win for most of the day. Now, I had to point out in the practice report, if you took the, these three players out for the offense, how would they have done against the defense? Remove Robert Hainsey, Liam Eikenberg, and Ian Book, and put all the defensive starters in there, because that's what happens when there's no Gilman, Kareem, and Aquara. You're not going to fare as well. No uh, doubt. That it, is a huge, especially with a heavy scrimmage like no that. No doubt. It was good. It was, I mean, it was really great that Gilman got back into yeah. the, the action, but when they went 11 on 11, full full tilt, he was taking out. Now, he went. He was going full tilt enough to injure Cole Komet <laughs> on, on a fade to the corner of the end zone. We never saw Komet again. I don't know how serious it was. We didn't ask Brian Kelly, but we, we will address that. Uh, you know, he was... He was on the field trying to walk it off, so that tells me that there wasn't any necessarily structural damage and maybe a sprain that he was trying to walk off. Would you say the best day from the offensive line in real scrimmage situation you've seen? Yeah, I thought so. I mean, because it's been a lot of times. There was a, there was a you know, the days are all kind of running together. Well, the but there was a jailbreak. There was a yeah. jailbreak. Uh, <laughs> was it the previous one or yeah, the one before the, that? I'm nickel. not sure. Yeah. But, yeah, it, it was a jailbreak coming around the edge, and we did not see that on Saturday. And as you said, with, without a... A full tilt, uh, Kareem and Okwara, and, and uh, coming off the edge, that makes a huge difference. But Ade Ogundeje again flashes, as we said afterwards. If he was a starter, you'd feel pretty good about it. It's great having Kareem and Okwara to yeah. be sure. But that's a good football player, man. He is. Uh, he's going to be at the forefront of Notre Dame's pass rush in 2020. Yeah, and uh, Dalen Hayes didn't flash as much this practice, other than. One move on Robert Hainsey, but uh, he's had a great spring. So they have they are so well stocked at defensive end right now for the 2019 season. It's I, I can never remember a year where they're this well equipped for something. Oh, not, not that no. those two are as good as the starters, but I mean, they're not supposed to. At be. that position in Notre Dame, it's just rare to yeah. be three really trending towards four deep at the, those positions. I think it was on the last podcast you guys were talking about uh, Notre Dame's defensive line quality and the sort of like where it would stack up within the Brian Kelly era. Certainly at, at defensive end, they've never been deep, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that, Priester, you made the point that um, the loss of Tillery as a pass-rushing defensive tackle is is going to be massive. And I think ultimately that's like why last year's defensive line will mm-hmm. be better than this year's. Um, yeah, because so, so they have records in the nickel. I am so yeah. interested to sort of see how they can maybe recreate something with Kareem inside. Does Hayes get a look inside? Um, you know, is it you know MTA? Do you try? Do you go a little bit younger there? Is it 
Is there a way that you can get just go four defensive ends on the field if, if you're in a third and seven or more? Um, I think they will. Um, they did it once in that nickel we were watching. There was no Kareem, but he was out. Well, you, with the, he was out. So that's why he wasn't there. But I think that's a good point. I mean, you certainly can do it with if your personnel inside is Hayes and Kareem. I mean, I think you can sure. de- you can definitely yeah. do that. Now, I kind of have high hopes that Tagovailoa Mosa is a guy that might be able to do. He's not going to. He's not going to be a pass rusher like Tillery. I mean, Tillery was first of all three inches taller. A uh, little bit heavier and just great with his hands. Every <laughs> yeah. former defensive lineman talks about how great Tillery was with his hands. He covers but, a lot of ground too. Like from from one to eight yards, he was two steps of no no doubt. Now I I do think MTA is again we've talked about this. I, if you look at their measurements, he's the same size as Adamiola, but he's not. He's yeah. longer. He's, he's you, longer. Yeah, I heard you mention that, and I was like. Did you are look they, it up? Are they really? Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're they're both listed because I mean, they certainly and, don't look that. No, they way. don't. I mean, they don't play and, that way. MTA either. looks like he's closer to Kurt Heinisch yeah. than Jason Adamiola. I would argue. Well, uh, he so, looks like he's fifteen I mean, pounds heavier than Jason Adamiola. Yeah, yeah and, I, and yeah. I and I think he might be a guy that can develop a pass rush. But they have that flexibility with the defensive ends in those third and seven situations that you're talking about, Pete. And they'll use it. They have in the past. Yeah. They will again. I actually think Adamiola could develop a pass rushing role. The problem I have with the four, any well, it won't be Heinish, but any of the either of the two tackles, we'll say, is those four guys inside have to log so many snaps all year. Right, might be the time to really try Ogundeji uh, no, as I, your guy on I third agree. and eight. I think that's long, another. Like I think yeah. that's another option they should include in there. Now, offensively, uh, you know, I mentioned. I mentioned in its analysis that, that uh, Jerkova continues to throw a good deep ball, and then I didn't say anything about Ian Book, and we wondered afterwards if, man, you, you almost have to, when it comes to this quarterback conversation, if you don't say anything about one guy, then, well, the other the other one's made huge progress on him. It's a politically correct quarterback conversation it, every it time. It is, it is. <laughs> but I mean, just in, look at what you see. <laughs> in an attempt to get everybody to understand what we think we're seeing, Ian Book... <laughs> There's, there's, there is no comparison, and I kind of keep going down this road. So I'm just going to say, I mean, there, there's, just, there's, just, there's no comparison in terms of accuracy and, and of catchable ball. I mean, Ian Book is way, way ahead in that department. So any comments about? I just wanted to. I almost feel like sometimes I'm not saying enough about Jerkovic, and I do think I, I today we put out a list of the top redshirt freshmen of the spring, and Jerkovic's in that. Because he has made progress, I think in the last couple of weeks, I think the the ball that he's throwing is not as fluttery as it as it has been. Although he never throws a spiral, whereas Book never throws anything but a spiral, basically. But I think he has made progress, and I'm sure the coaches, whether they're giving you a straight answer or not, would say that okay, if, you know, he has benefited from the five to six weeks, however long the the spring practice is stretched out. You covered all the, all the angles there on the quarterback. You left left everything Sorry. said out there. No, but, no, it's yeah. just like it, I get what you're saying because it's every time there's a quarterback non competition competition, you feel like you have to say everything about everybody because if you don't, then people think that you're just you're, you're somehow taking sides, which is absurd. In this instance, the side's already been taken though. Like Ian Book is the starter and. Phil Dracovic's goal today is the same one as it was when spring practice started. It wasn't to win the job. It was to prove that he could go into a game and win it if necessary. It sounds like there have been flashes of 
maybe that is happening, but it's not happening all the time. He throws a great he throws a great deep ball. Yeah. He he does. He throws it better than the book, but that's not to say the book hasn't thrown it well in the last, I would say last ten days. I thought there were back to back practices where where it was one is like, okay, that's the best I've seen him throw the deep ball. And then the next practice is like, if that's not the best, that's the second best we've seen him throw the deep ball. I think Brian Kelly tried to let everybody know the reality when he said we weren't giving him anything new and now we have started giving him a couple things new. Imagine that compared to what they want as their starting quarterback for the season. We aren't giving him anything new at all to work on in the spring in terms of installation of what he does in the offense. I mean, obviously, that that, that makes it one and not yet two. He will be the second quarterback, but right now they're not. And Brian Kelly even says we, we can't win a championship with him yet. That's Brian Kelly saying yeah. that, you know? it's Why is he taking sides? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, I mean, he, he's illustrating the exact reality of it. And he has five months to become the real number two that can win games. I think that's all you can ask. Yeah. I mean, he had to he had to get on firm footing as spring practice was ending, and I think that's what he's doing. Now yeah. we talked about the receivers on Saturday, and I I cannot imagine like when spring started when you when you think of the the, the three starters of of Claypool, Young, and Fink how they could be any further along as spring is ending, you know, as we anticipated when, when spring started. Yeah. And that, ha- and that is not commentary on the other guys not showing well. No, that, because they got, both, no, I mean, yeah. we've talked, we've gone on and on about the young receivers, but those three starters have been real quality all spring. They are the three starters and they are going to be a major focal point of this offense. There's going to be, Pete, I mentioned this, uh, I think it was off the air when, Kind of joked about when I, I say Claypool and Fink are the next best tandem, and you're like, uh, hello, Elliot and Gilman. Yeah. I real, I mean, I think Elliot and Gilman is true, but I think Claypool and Fink are like defining the. They're they're going to be involved in everything this season. They are, and then Michael Young has just taken that step. Well, they're playing to the level that that Gilman and Elliot played in games in last games fall. last year. Yes, they're doing it in practice. Right. They haven't done right. it like right. that level in games. Uh, course, Braden but. Lindsay hurt. Uh, I thought it might be the ham, uh, hamstring still, but it was a. I don't want to say concussion, but he, he got hit in the head. So, I mean, that's why they kept him out. I don't know to what degree. Um, Wilkins has flashed recently Wilkins quite a bit. flashed. Keyes always does. Austin, I, I thought, did on Saturday. I, I, I don't. You saw some plays that maybe he didn't come up with it. but um, He's had a good spring, though. Austin's yeah, no doubt. Spring. I mean, you know, unfortunately, Lindsey's spring has has curtailed. Yeah, about midway through, right? Yeah. It's... But he had such a good. I think he made a but good he impression. But he did. No, he so. did. He he definitely made a strong impression. Tommy Tremble continues to make an impression at at tight end. And that coach it, agrees with me. Yes, no doubt. And it's <laughs> and I mean he's the number two pass catching tight end right now on the roster behind Komet, um, which I guess we all kind of figured that that's what he was capable of becoming. But I think he has become that this spring. I like the offense. I mean, as long as the offensive line plays somewhere near the level, we we see them. They had, a, they had a couple tough days, but like this Saturday, they were very good. Um, earlier in spring, I was best thing I come up with was they're doing well. They're they're holding their own, and now I mean they they really looked the part. When Tommy yeah. Kramer plays like that, they look the part. No, no doubt. And I did, and I, and I interviewed Tommy Kramer Saturday, and I encourage our readers to check out the story on him that was written over the weekend if you haven't seen it because I I mean I'm I'm impressed with the way he's moving. I was impressed with the way. It's just a media event, but I mean, he handled it. He talked about his shortcomings, what he had to do. He knew he had to change himself, 
it's 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 pretty cool that again. I mean, you, you immediately look to see, okay, how much less does he weigh? Now well, he's two pounds heavier, but he doesn't look anything like the player that he was the previous two falls. He's much lighter on his feet. And he talked about what I always complain about. It's like they're trying to pull him, and the running backs are running into him. Well, he brought that up. He said, I, you know, I'm looking at I'm looking at I mean, I look at film, and it's like I I I've got to get out ahead of the running back, and the only way I'm going to do that is to change my nutrition. Change my sleep habits. Change, you know, I mean, even that. He's I even, need to he's change my that. sleep habits. Yeah, we all do. Yeah, I run into the running back all the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he's gotten better. I think that's. I think that's really, really encouraging. I, I don't know whose ceiling is higher. I know that Kramer was rated five star in, in some respects, but who do you think has higher upside, Kramer or Eichenberg? Oh, Eichenberg. I, 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 I agree too. because he's also at a premier at a left tackle position, but I think. I'm, I guess I'm hopeful that Kramer is trending toward being the player that he was rated when he was coming out of high school. Yeah, I mean, I think Kramer has a chance to have a good final two years of his college career. Um, but I, I think you look at Eichenberg I, I and agree. say, like, ooh, he's got a chance to have two, no, I two agree. great final years I agree. of his college career. I agree. You know, it's just the way they're built. The style of the position, the fact that Liam Eikenberg is kind of like nuts. Yeah, I, I, I love that and part of it. Tommy That's... Kramer's nice. Um, like, nice people are great. Yeah. I like a lot of nice people. Um, but if you're a left tackle, it's good to be used. a little bit. And yet little the bit weird too. Yeah, and yet the rap on Eikenberg from Chip Long was that you know he's got to go for it more. He's got to yeah. be you know. So there's still progress to be made there. But yeah, I mean, I think offensively. Damn, things are looking pretty good yeah. as you come out of the spring. And they're not, I mean, they're not doing that against a, a bad defense. They're doing it against some inexperienced linebackers, maybe. But and, it's not and, bad. and a corner they can pick on. We'll get to that later. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, we do have a question about the cornerback's position. So, um, okay, well, let's wrap up segment one. We've got a ton of questions, guys, on the back side of the paper, wow, too. Wow, even questions. more. Maybe there's an offensive line <laughs> yeah. question. Okay, oh, look at that. There is. We'll be back. Segment two burning up the boards. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to segment two, burning up the boards. The first question, roster movement from at Bill Clancy, was Luke Jones transfer, natural attrition, or roster management by Notre Dame as they work to get down to 85? Yeah. I mean, I know, like, when he was here, uh, I remember talking to a coach, and this is sort of after they enrolled, and I said, after watching film of this kid in high school, like, tell me I'm crazy that he might not be the best uh, of the four offensive linemen they signed. And he's like, no, I could... I could see that happening over the you know the course of the next few years. Obviously, it didn't even come close to materializing. But this was this wasn't a player that was just sort of like thrown in at the end of a recruiting class. Um, this is a player they actually liked when they got. I, yeah, I mean it's natural attrition. I, I Nordheim didn't force him out. He is from Arkansas. I don't you know I mean that's kind of a that can be a tough fit socially coming up from Arkansas to. South Bend, Indiana, but I think more than anything, Jared Patterson moved from tackle to starting center, and then they recruited Zeke Correll, um, who's certainly in the mix among the backups. 
I don't know if Luke. I don't know if Luke Jones ever was a little bit banged up, which we speculated, or, or there were rumblings at that time that he was not happy that that Jared Patterson had moved ahead of him. Yeah, if you're if you're Jones and your classmate has been moved from tackle, the classmate that they clearly love has been moved from tackle to your position, and the early enrollee comes to campus and is immediately ahead of you, and the only fifth year senior lineman that is going to come back and is hurt is going to be ahead of you this was year Carell too. Was Corell immediately ahead of him? Very, I don't know that I... Unless he was banged up. That's the banged up yeah. thing. But Corell has been taking second team reps as much as I can remember in the spring. I don't I didn't chart chart every Luke Jones rep. And you know, and but, had, had, it would have been interesting had Colin Grunhardt been healthy this spring. That's because what I'm about to add. He's not your typical walk-on. He's a guy that they that they liked. So, so as much as they could have liked Luke Jones, and I do think it's natural attrition... They had five centers. This is good roster health movement, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it's really one of the hidden benefits of early enrollment is because it forces your sophomores to, like, yeah. get it in yeah. gear. Yeah. Um, and if if they don't, then they sort of know that, okay, I'm behind this guy f- for the rest of my career because they're younger than me and already better than me. I think that, that probably was going to happen with Zeke Carell at some point anyway. NCON 34, you guys seem pretty confident in a 9-3-ish nine, nine season in 2019. I get that upsets happen, but who do you see Notre Dame losing to aside from Georgia? Anyone not named New Mexico and Bowling Green. And for reference sake, 2015 was a really good team, right? 4-8 Virginia, sure. Virginia had them beat, if not for the miracle throw. Uh, last year's team was really good, right? Very good team. 22-17 Vanderbilt. How many games did Vanderbilt right. win? I mean, it was a Ball State win when they needed a Drew Tranquil onside kick recovery to avoid getting tied. And how would that have looked for the playoff committee? Ball State goes out and ties you and puts you in overtime. I mean, are you kidding? The they can't lose anybody. Yeah, well, the Pittsburgh the game Pittsburgh. Was, was Pittsburgh, a, a, absolutely. But if he... It's just ridiculous. This is absolutely they're ludicrous. Lo- they're a, a, 500, USC. a 500 USC team had them had O'Malley barely breathing in the press box. <laughs> I'm always I'm yes, all, I yes. keep bringing that up. I'm uh, always that way. You're, you're, uh, yeah. I, I would probably add New Mexico along with. I did with New Bo- Mexico and Bowling yeah. Green are the two. They, oh, they, it's impossible to lose to those two. Probably. I mean, I guess impossible is wrong because of Ball State, but I mean, they should beat Navy and win at Louisville, and win at Duke. But weirder things have happened. You can you you cannot take a home game against Boston College in cold weather. I don't care where it is. It's at Notre Dame Stadium, eleventh game of the year. You cannot take that for granted. With Steve Adazio, the way his team plays physical football, you can't take that for granted. USC at home in the middle of it. What? Where do the, so Notre Dame went to the playoffs last year. So you, I'm not saying the NCON 34 is saying this, but I kind of, I kind of get the I, feeling I that he's, he's suggesting he's, that. He's saying it. What? So Notre Dame, they can't lose to USC at home in the middle of the season. They can't lose at Michigan because Michigan lost a lot of guys. Well, they're not going to be favored. When the season begins no, at Michigan, I, so they could lose now, pretty I, And I'm not saying Notre Dame won't win these games. Right. We're but, not saying they're losing all these games or that they'll all be close. But there's no reason what – if Notre Dame beats Georgia or worse, loses to Georgia 24-23 on a missed field goal, they're going to come back and be all ready, fired right. up to play Virginia? What if yeah, what if, what if if Jonathan Doerr misses three field goals at Louisville in a game where, you know, Notre Dame's just kind of – I mean, they'll probably still win by 20. They, well, <laughs> now, Louisville's got a new, a new yeah, coach. Yeah. There's new enthusiasm there. You're opening up there. I'm just, just They're better off than they would have been. Let's put it that we, way. <laughs> the, they had an enthusiasm deficit. Notre Dame and virtually any team in the country can lose – could lose any one of these games. That's the way college football I mean, goes. Yeah, Virginia I think is real tricky. Uh, USC is. Michigan, Virginia Tech – yeah, like Duke, I feel is uh, probably, but a bit of a rebuild there. But like 
I love David Cutcliffe. I mean, David Cutcliffe on a given day can outcoach just about anybody. Yeah, he doesn't that, have the personnel to do that's it. That's probably of the not time. a loss, but I mean, you also don't want to be leading only twenty four thirteen in the fourth quarter. So Nordham's never going to lose the Navy again. Now is that? I mean, is that where we are now? Because they went because they've won ten games three of the last four years. They're not going to lose the Navy ever. Hey, a, a colleague pointed out to me. Do you think Clemson <laughs> thought they were going to lose to Syracuse and Pittsburgh in back to back seasons? That Clem, those Clemson teams going in, probably not. Right. At well, home to Syrac- Pittsburgh and Syracuse, back-to-back years. Clemson. Yeah, yes. Who went to the playoffs? Clemson. Yeah, that's just the way the world works, man. It's college football. We disagree with this. That's the, the way it goes. question. CMU <laughs> Pens fan, are there any examples you can name from the past where a player looked lost or overmatched in spring practice, and by the fall, they were a completely different player and made a major impact that season? Deshaun Kaiser is, like, incredible. Like, it's so obvious. I'm surprised the question was asked, CMU Pens fan. Because um, his spring practice going into 2015, he was he thought about quitting football. He was just sort of that lost. He had some personal stuff going on, and then he turned into a record-setting second, quarterback. A record-setting quarterback who got drafted in the second rounders in the NFL. So you know, it, it worked out for him. Yeah, he's the poster book for this. Uh, I was we were talking a little bit before the podcast. Actually, before his sophomore year, breakout year, Fuller was having the dropsies in spring, and they all talked about he's not catching the ball, and he was second string the whole spring, and then he ran by everybody for two straight years. He ran. Yeah. That was the yeah. key. He yeah. started running by yeah. everybody, and the ball didn't yeah, drop, and be fine. he became an amazing So it, it, I guess it's a good question in that, other than Kaiser, there are hard, it's hard to remember a guy stinking other than Kaiser and then being like, holy cow. I'm sure it happened, but st- Kaiser was Actually, bad. He was. Yeah. He was bad. Yeah. And I, you know, you mentioned Pete some personal thing. I mean, I think you could see by his body language at spring that like, what it was am like, I doing? right? What am I doing? What, what am I doing here? Exactly. Someone should have had him come. He talk was thinking to us. about being a baseball player. Yeah. We knew Golson would like, take uh, off. Should have talked to us. Sean, you're gonna be second string soon. Don't worry about it. <laughs> a question from Utah Domer: taking taking into account Notre Dame's depth chart, player development you've seen this spring, and incoming recruits. Which position groups do you feel best about over the next two to three years, and which ones are you most concerned about? Mm. Uh, uh, offensive line, I feel like, is going to continue to be very good. Um, you know, and some of this is, you know, you got the four early enrollees, you can judge them right now. I also think that they'll sign a, a recruiting class next cycle on par with what the current oh, freshman class yes. is. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty high on that. And then um, also, I think. Just wide receiver would they they would have to like trip over themselves not to be really good over and the course of the long haul. Recruiting tight, also part of that. Tight end also on that with sure. two coming in. Uh, yeah, next I, cycle. I mean concerns at corner. I, yes. Concerns this year at, at, at corner. I mean really concerns that I guess you have Kyle Hamilton coming in at safety, but theoretically you could be without Gilman and Elliott next yeah, unless year. Yeah, you played a four three three one. Right. Um, you got to have more, and, and that's just a. They, at that point, you're banking on Kyle Hamilton being well, really, really good. No, I agree. I think D.J. Brown has some potential. We haven't seen a bunch of it yet because he's so new to the position and is kind of running around out there sometimes. Uh, Derek Ellen's got a long way to go before he's ready to step in there. Safety uh, makes total sense, even if Kyle Hamilton's great. Yeah. No, I yeah, mean, I, yeah, yeah. You no, need to yeah, keep recruiting no safeties doubt. at this you point. You know, linebacker, the numbers are there. Who knows? Uh, the productivity yeah. at linebacker, we really don't know yet. Jack it's, Lamp's stepping forward, but. You almost feel better about linebacker next year than you do this year, just because those young guys that are fighting will be probably coached up and be better football mm-hmm. players next year, right? I mean, I expect Jack Lamb and Shane Simon to be much better football players in 2020 than in 2019. 
that automatically help any Owusu Koromoa sure. too. Sure, why not, right? That's the natural trajectory of what should yeah. be good players. I this year I have no idea what they're going to be. I think the I, I like Drew Pine and and Tyler Buckner coming in down the road. I think Nordin's pretty excited long term. We're talking long term now uh, at quarter. We're beyond probably two <laughs> to three years. Yeah. Uh, they feel good about that position with with those two in particular, following Jakovic and, and and Clark. At Greg twenty one twenty six, do we focus too much on Ian Book's ability to throw the deep ball? He also struggled at times with blitz recognition. Is getting the ball consistently to the right player when blitzed more important for the offense? It's a good question, and the answer is yes. I mean, to both to all both of Greg, everything <laughs> yes. Greg says, I agree with that. Way too much focus goes on the deep ball. Um, only now has Notre Dame suddenly have receivers who can actually run deep routes, uh, you know, for how good that Claypool is athletically and Boykin was in the NFL come. I don't think either of us would have said, oh, those are deep threat receivers. Now I think when you're mixing in the keys, Austin, Lindsay, um, you know, maybe Fink will get used a little bit differently. There's actually going to be an option to throw the deep ball. But, but ultimately I think that if, if you could give me book, Knowing what was coming at a graduate level rate um, versus he can hit a 40-yard pass a little bit better every now and again, I would take the blitz stuff 100 times out of 100. And I, I completely agree, but I will say that the blitz stuff should come to Ian Book naturally with more games, whereas the arm no, strength like, thing may in, not. In some ways, yeah. I was surprised that that didn't click better for him last year because yeah. he's a pretty smart dude. No, yeah. he is. I don't, but I think I think being able to make the right play with a defender in your face is yeah. hard for everybody. Trevor Lawrence struggled with it. They talked about that during the season last year. He wasn't struggling too damn much by the time he got to the Cotton Bowl, but but he did. You know, I think I think I think they should have played them in a playoff game in yeah. October. <laughs> I think every every quarterbacks I've talked about this in the past. Every quarterback's completion percentage is impacted by 6 foot 5 270-pound guys in his face. Tom Brady. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's difficult to do. But, I mean, if you is the deep ball important? Yes, it is, because Chip Long wants to be more explosive, and that's one way to do it. But I would agree. I mean, if you can handle the blitz pickup. And that, you know, that could simply mean faking the defender out and, and taking off and running as long as you're productive when that happens. At MCRT Gym. Based on spring observations, where does Book sit compared to Wimbush, Golson, and Kaiser on season expectations? I get is so relative to Wimbush have to be relative to their, their second their second year starting. Yeah, I'm, way ahead I'm, of Wimbush. I'm taking then. it that way. Yeah, way ahead of Wimbush. Uh, I think you'd have to say way ahead of Everett Golson, just because Golson had taken a year off, and you're just like, what are you? Um, then then it's Ky- way way Ky- ahead of Wimbush, way ahead of Golson. Yeah, but okay. below Kaiser for sure. Oh, yeah. Second I mean, year. Look, yeah. Well, I, I know we can all say and be like, well, of course, 2016 was going to be a down year. We all saw that coming. Like, no, <laughs> nobody saw that coming. And we thought Deshaun Kaiser would be like, oh, this guy's you know, yeah. got a chance to be a top 10 pick. Yeah, no. They're going to score a million points. By the same token, and this is why when the, when the term, when somebody said, Book's a nice game manager. A game manager that threw at least two touchdown passes in eight straight games, his first eight starts, and averaged 306 yards passing a game. Um, I mean, I guess I would put him closer. If if expectations are below what they were for Kaiser, I think it's relatively close considering how successful he was last year. I think that's the order. Oh, oh, yeah. definitely. Yeah, because I, I thought Kaiser would be a 
I mean, Heisman caliber player. Yeah. yeah. In 2016. Yeah, I just think the expectations for Kaiser that year were in New, right. York, New York City, whereas Book, you're like, it'd be really good. Okay, I, I get you there. I, you know, and then Kaiser gained a bunch of weight, so I don't know that the Yeah, Bush we didn't do that. We didn't know, no. Kai, Book's going to have a better year than Kaiser had oh, yeah. <laughs> in his I, senior I year. Fully, but I, yeah. I fully expect But that. at the time, I really thought Kaiser, I thought the quarterback controversy was the biggest joke in the world. And, and it was. And it was. But, yeah. I, you know, I just thought, if you'd have told me, all right, they're going to have eight games where it's up to Deshaun Kaiser to win it, it's like 7-1. and one. Oh, for Comes sure. Comes right yeah. down and beats everybody every time. And it was not that way. No doubt. And I and I get that, you know, the people that say, well, you know, Kelly's a quarterback killer second year. I get that. I just don't think that's going to happen with Ian Book. I don't think it's applicable here, largely to the fact that we've said this many times. Chip Long is the offensive coordinator now. He is the decision maker uh, from play to play to play. Not that Brian Kelly doesn't have a strong influence in creating those plays during the week, but Long's the decision maker. And that, to me, is the biggest reason why Ian Book is going to continue to rise as Notre Dame's quarterback. At Garrett Presley 1, pictures of Jack Lamb from practice show he is quite undersized, or at least appears to be for a linebacker. Do you think this will have any detrimental effect? I think we saw it Saturday. And he got Tommy Kramer? Yeah, yeah. I, I think we saw it on occasion Saturday. He's stronger than he was. <laughs> he's he- he's way healthier than he was at, at any point. But he's a longer kid. I mean, he's closer to six. He's six four. He's a legit six three and a half, six four. So he's longer. So his frame's not going to look as filled out as some guys are a little bit more squat. But is it a concern? Yeah, I think it's a concern with him. I think it's a concern with. Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa, I think it's a concern with Paul Mawala. At times, if you're facing a real physical run game team, it could be a problem. This is you're running you're removing two NFL senior <laughs> that too. like Big. locked up dudes. Yes. Um, well and, and, replace, t- and Tillery in front of them. Yeah, and then replacing them with kids, right. basically. Yeah, right. exactly and right. Those kids don't have Jerry Tillery in front of them. That makes a difference, too. And he missed some time last year where he would have been strength training. Now, I think he'll be stronger. Even I think he's naturally strong, too, but I think he'll be stronger still, but he needs more bulk. He's going to need more bulk. You think he won't be bigger and stronger in two years than he is right now? Well, and that, ridiculous. Well, and that's the other yeah, thing. That does I mean, go in a straight line. Yeah, 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 yes, that does. I, I mean, I'll, I'll make it short of that. You don't think he's going to be a lot stronger after May, June, July? Right. right. He's going to be 230. Come August. I think he is already. Actually, you're right. He's 227. Yeah. I think he'll be 235 come August. Yeah. Um, I, I think he's always going to be a leaner sure. linebacker. He's right. not, like Even at maximum in, in three years, he's not going to look like Coney or Tranquil last year. No, you're right. At 6'4", he almost Yeah. I don't want to say he can't, but no, well, he's, he's, not going, he's not going to look like but I mean the point the point's taken because when you do look at him and we both agree that he looks bigger than he did last yes. fall. He looked like a high school kid last fall, which he was. Yeah. Well he had the chest injury. Yeah. He had no way yeah. of getting stronger at that point. Uh Wash N D. What in the world has happened to Bo Bauer? Before spring started, he was supposed to challenge for the starting spot at MLB, Mike Linebacker. And now he is third string or worse and is getting blown up by walk-ons <laughs> on special teams drills. Yes. People did not like the fact that I reported that act, what happened on the field. Uh, <laughs> it Bo- wasn't just any walk-on. It was Mick Asaph, that's right. for crying out loud. Let the bodies hit the floor, Mick. Um, Bo Bauer, I think we, we hear that it's a lot of control, which isn't good for a middle linebacker. I mean, I know the crazy gene is good, but you got to be in the right gap and hitting at the right time and with good leverage and good feet and balance and everything like that. I think if you had to run the ball on first and ten, in college football still, 
that Bo Bauer would fill that hole and could start a middle linebacker, but it's just a, he doesn't move as well as the other middle linebackers do. I mean, think about having Shane Simon next year as your starting middle linebacker, or Asmar Bilal this year. They, they move a lot better than Bo Bauer does. Yeah, he's a, I, he was always sort of a one-position player, but he's kind of a one-direction, one-position player. And you got to go in the direction properly. Yeah. I mean, think like he's never going to have the Tavon Coney like oh, okay, I figured out how to play pass coverage as a fourth year player. I don't think Notre Dame's going to wait that long on that because they have Simon. You know, maybe Lamb slides over there eventually. Who knows? But they they have younger options who are longer and taller and leaner, and I think that that's sort of what they want. I mean, it's worth remembering like Bo Bauer committed to Notre Dame before Michael Co was the defensive coordinator. Yeah, you know, this this wasn't some. This isn't. A, this is, he's more like towards Jonathan Jones and Asmar Bilal yeah. uh, in terms of his like who evaluated him to be part of the defense. You know, there's a there's a ferociousness to his game that I admire, that I like. Yeah, and I yeah. and I agree with you, Tim. That you know, in a in a much earlier day, in the old four three, where the middle linebacker is getting twenty two tackles a game, uh, you know, the the bull cars and and Crables uh, and and people like that. It's just a it's a it's a different game. You have to be more mobile. You've got to be able to get off. Not only do you have to be able to get off blocks, which he's strong enough to do, but then when you get off the block, you've got to find the right gap. And it's just it's a it's a, a complicated mess in the in, in the box there. And he hasn't figured it out yet. Gondorf, read to the following pairs. If you could pick one guy to be guaranteed to reach his peak potential this season, who would you pick and why? And then the other guy's not a bust. He just does a regular projection. Right, right. Chase Claypool and Michael Young, Eichenberg and Kramer, Aquara and MTA, Pride and Griffith. All right. So initially I read this question incorrectly. Me too. As like, which pair <laughs> yeah. do you think if they both clicked? Oh, I do too. Let's, let's do that first. Okay. Oh, I didn't think of it that way. <laughs> yeah, we'll do that you first. You guys go ahead. Right. So, so the way I answered that question uh, was that Liam Eikenberg and Tommy Kramer would be my number one choice for if you could give me one of these pairs to really just kill oh, okay. it this year. That's the pair that I would want to see do it. I would agree. And then number two would be Pride and Griffith because there's a, there's a yes. floor and a ceiling here at corner. And then number three would be... Claypool and Young because Okwara has already established himself right. as a great <laughs> yes. player. So I'll just take Okwara from last year and just a little yeah. incrementally yeah. But better. Is of fine. course, that's not how the question was asked. No, so, no. let's try. Let's try <laughs> the real way, guys. All right. So who who would you rather um, uh, this have emerge a guarantee reach his peak potential? Claypool or Michael Young? Claypool. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, Claypool. yes, Claypool. Eichenberg or Kramer? Eichenberg. I would agree with that. He's a left tackle. It's more important. Kramer, I think, is going to get better, but he's a guard. Your left tackle, huge step forward. I'll take that. Yeah. Aquara or MTA? Aquara, because I like the idea of the fact that he has not hit his absolute yeah. peak potential. <laughs> and he so, would, I, so I'd really like to see what that would look like. Yeah. yeah. And that, he will win the Benaric really Award. So that would be good, too. Yeah. <laughs> See, now I would say MTA because if Aquara stays what he yes. is, like the, yeah, still that's fine. still really, really good. If MTA reaches his peak and is rushing the pastor uh, in, in uh, similarly to, to Tillery, then then you have something great there. And as far as Pride and Griffith, I kind of look at it the same way I do Aquara and MTA. Pride is established. Uh, is a really good player. I think he'll have a really good fall. But, man, they need Houston Griffith to be a whole lot better. Yeah, a whole lot better. I was almost considering Pride because if it's not Griffith, he can just put in another corner. Like if Troy Pride's a Thorpe yeah, candidate, that's a, a great one. thing. Yeah. Um, 
But you, I mean, there's the ceiling here. Houston Griffith's floor and ceiling is, is the same thing as it was in the spring. We have no idea. He has not looked good in the spring in the last three practices. I don't, I have never, I have. No, you, one practice have, you yeah, liked him. You really yes, did. Yes, yes. But, I mean, there, there's still no, we have not seen any kind of ceiling with Houston Griffith in the fall or the spring. The ceiling's theoretical. We are seeing. Yeah. We are seeing the floor. I feel like this, the first week was good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just and then I'm sorry I left for Mexico and he just like it all fell, <laughs> it all fell apart for yeah. him. So I'll be curious to see what it looks like tomorrow when I'm here. <laughs> There's we a did have, we did have a wild card which I don't know what these two have to do with each other. <laughs> well, it's but a nickel. Cool. It's a nickel. Yeah. That's no, good. that's cool. Uh, Sean Crawford and Jonathan Dorner. Jonathan Dorner. Yes. <laughs> you want well, to see the floor on no, that you, one? But you understand why the question <laughs> yes, is being asked. Yes. They need a nickel. Yeah, they, they need do. Crawford to stay healthy for once and. They went to the playoffs last year without a nickel. <laughs> they can do it again. This is true, but they wouldn't have. No, they would not. Have, they yeah. would not have gone to the playoffs without <laughs> Justin Yoon and his uh, consistency. We have a question from Chrism Oz. Do you guys consider Houston Griffith a starter at corner, and can Dante Vaughn win the position when he returns at one hundred percent? I don't know who's going to win it. Um, I, if let's, Griffith has to be a lot better, Dante Vaughn would have to be a lot better than he was all of last year, and I don't mean only the Cotton Bowl because he was replaced in the Pittsburgh game when he was given a start. Um, he obviously had been playing injured, but what, he's not going to be 100% healthy the rest of his life, right? Vaughn has had myriad injuries. I'd like to see Crawford come back. That, that there, No one is starting 12 games on the boundary, effectively. Yeah, I think the answer is, yeah. like, you don't really consider Griffith a starter, nor do you assume that Vaughn would be the guy if Griffith wasn't. It just they're, they're just a lot... Of jumbled options, but the, there. does Notre Dame, con- Notre Dame considers Houston Griffith the starter? I mean, some, he hasn't. Yeah. They haven't. Somebody has to, right? I mean, somebody has to start. Yeah, right now, Bracey can't play boundary. Right? Uh, and Avery Davis is too yeah. inexperienced to, yeah. to for them to have thrown him in there. Crawford with would Crawford be the boundary starter right now if he was back on I, January tenth and healthy and ready and rolling and totally? Oh, that's a tough ask for a player that size yeah, to but, play boundary corner. You're going to get. Man, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I, you know, Tariq, I still think that, I mean, in terms That's of just coverage, too, though, right? it is. But, again, May, June, July in the weight room, he's at 172. Can he come back at 182, 180? Yeah. It would be, that, would, that would be a significant upgrade for him. Um, I don't know. It's, look, you don't come out of spring with answers to every every position, and, this is probably uh, the one that is the most unanswerable at this point. Great follow-up for Clark Lee on Thursday because he was very high on the physical traits of Houston Griffith at the beginning of the spring, and now he's seen well, he 13 may, practices. He may so. have seen the spring differently. I'm yep. sure. Well, of course he did. <laughs> of course he did. He was at all the practices. Yeah. He was at all the practices, and he knows more than we do. He might have a keener eye, you're saying, he for this saw, he, pro- he saw the spring differently than we did in many respects. I don't know what they are, but maybe we'll, we'll, find out. we'll, we'll certainly him. find yeah. out. Question from B-Man underscore. 2017. It seems like there's been slightly more dedication to special teams drills this spring. Is that the case? And if so, why do you think that it is? I know one thing. We have seen more practice this year this spring, I, so we write about special teams. I really teams don't all think it's anything other than we've seen <laughs> yeah, practice. We've, tri- we've tripled. I mean, it's. Yeah, we've tripled we're, our access. We're not going to. We're going to speculate about offensive defense, even if we're not at practices. We're not going to speculate about special teams drills. Or special teams participants if we're not there. I will say this. I bet you they had more because Graham Polian has just been pushing every single day for more since last 
December. Yeah, true, I wouldn't be surprised. I, would, I bet they've had more. Um, the, the one on Saturday was an extent. That special teams drill lasted, Pete, the one you saw in Loftus. This was three times the reps mm. longer. Like, they tripled the amount of reps. Yeah. Uh, I do know that Brian Polian famously announced two practices ago in front of the media to the uh, trainers, I only have seven minutes of special teams, so get everything out there. We can't miss a rep. Oh, <laughs> so, I also oh, – it's funny you bring that up because I – did you also hear him talking to the, the the young man on the balcony operating the clock? And he wanted him to, like, kind of wait until they got set up before he started <laughs> so, the five-minute So he must be concerned period. about, about yeah, the so, uh, whether they're getting more looks at or not, Brian Polian doesn't believe it's yeah, still doesn't believe they're getting like enough. Brian Polian's opinion would be no, <laughs> yeah. not getting more substitute work. I don't think it could ever be us for a special teams no. coach in the spring. At Eagles fan, I keep hearing that the rover will come off in nickel situations, but is that true? Drew Tranquil didn't when he was a rover, and the rover should be much better in coverage than it was with Asmar Bala. Well, first of all, Drew Tranquil is a a, a mental freak on the football field, so that would play into it. You didn't. I mean, he also didn't. was a former safety that moved out of Rover and went to the other side. Right, exactly, yeah. which is why I, I mean, Tony. I don't I think it's a good question because yeah. I'm not necessarily sure that Jeremiah Usukoromoa comes off the field. I know we've seen examples where he has, but they're not going to nickel out Jack Lamb who they put in specifically True. to play coverage at the bottom. Maybe they in the nickel. Well, then then maybe Asmar Bilal. That's the possibility. I mean, that, it Have makes Have you ever seen the mic come off the field? I mean, even with Niles Morgan, he stayed in the nickel. Yeah. That's the thing. I just have never well, seen that good. actually happen. No, I agree. I agree. But, I mean, in terms of personnel, that would probably, that would be the guy. Wusu Koromo is former safety, too. Uh, not on not the collegiate level, on the high school level. I guess level, it's just but. a weird learn a little bit because he's well, in the middle yeah, of the field. I don't, we don't, I mean, yeah. we don't know the answer to the question. But Also, do they have a nickel? Like, maybe they're just better playing base more with the way the uh, well, linebacker I mean, I, I think, position is currently constructed and the fact uh, that they don't have. Uh, nickel to go to, but they have been using Avery Davis here recently. So, I, well, I know, but yeah. I mean, Houston Griffith wasn't good last year either, and they right. used him in nickel. So, I mean, for for practice purposes, Avery Davis is that guy right now. And if Sean Crawford can come back strong and healthy, he's still that guy, right? Yes, I mean he has yeah. he has to be, but I guess he also just, has to be stronger and healthy. Like I would just be surprised. Because if the rover stays on, it's not like the rover can still play rover. No, that's what I mean. The nickel's He's, there. Yeah. So you're gonna you're gonna tell me Uwusu Koromoa after sort of struggling to get the system down, you're gonna have him play two positions? Pro- no, so probably not. My and, point with Tranquil, he did come off. The rover left. He went over and replaced Coney, who was the buck. Okay. Coney came off the field in 2017. And last year, those two stayed on, and their rotating nickels kept coming. Uh, it's a good question because we don't know what we don't we don't know what's going to happen at this point. Maybe we can get some clarity again from Clark Lee on Thursday. I've liked Usu Koromoa uh, most of the spring. I have yeah. too. He he's Pete. You haven't seen him. I mean, no. he's he's come on. I mean, he's he. I, I mean, he this is a kid that can run around and create some havoc, and he created a little bit of havoc. <laughs> he didn't know it was on tag Saturday. Off. It was they were in, they, were in yeah. <laughs> they were in fud. They were in fud, and he fake fake. Oh, <laughs> he wiped him out. <laughs> <laughs> I like that Jalen Elliott somehow got blamed for it. I guess he's in charge of telling them yeah. what they're in. But there's, uh, I know Fig was probably thinking, had I known that you were going to do that, I'd have, yeah, have faked you out. Yeah. <laughs> that was the unfair thing is that Fink got, clocked. Fink got yeah. clocked and he had no preparation for it. All right, last question, and it's an appropriate one. We probably should have started first with it, but we'll, we'll go to at Don Laura, L-O-R-A-H. And the question is, where should they put Muffet McGraw's statue when she retires? Uh, what inside the goog or not the goog? <laughs> that would be so awkward. Yeah, that would be <laughs> she would take offense to yeah. that. <laughs> inside Priscilla Pavilion lobby, 
And then you should put her name on the court. Yeah, gate 10 is my guess, because you keep it outside. And then, you know the one you used to go in a long, long time ago? Now no one uses it anymore. There's an ATM there. Um, yeah, I wouldn't put it there. I like that, because, you know, it's like by the stadium. You could, it's, people can look at all the statues. But I would put it at, no, I would put it at the entrance to the real Purcell Pavilion yeah. now. And, yeah, some her name on, of some type. Yeah, it's, a, I mean, she's the Joyce Center floor. I'm not so sure they're allowed to do that. historically good but. for the university that I think just sort of, it should be there for anyone to see who is watching any event in Purcell Pavilion, whether it's a men's basketball well, you game walk in, or a women's eight. game you know. or a volley, whatever. Yeah. Graduation, whatever's happening in there. Um, like, she's, yeah, she's just been historically good for the university. Notre Dame, of course, 82-81 losers in the, the championship game to Baylor. They they fall short of winning their second straight national title and third under Muffin McGraw. I, I mean, I, I agree with everything you're saying. I, I think her name does belong on the court eventually, which... Is that a tough sell at Notre Dame? I, I don't know. I it shouldn't not. be. I would. I don't think it should be. I think it is the Joyce Center floor right now. There's probably something you got to do about that, right? I mean, there is. There's a reason it says yeah. that. There's a reason the name's there. Well, I, well, I mean, it's yeah. just Purcell on it as well. Yeah, Purcell like, Pavilion. It's yeah. a Joyce Center floor at Purcell Pavilion well, officially right now. Look, she's been fantastic, and I, I want to say a couple things. I mean, I, I, the, first of all, and I said this before we start, Notre Dame's, and this is year after year after year, Notre Dame's interior passing on the offensive end is un, is just absolutely fantastic. It's a clinic. Her teams are good every year. They're prepared every year. They're never out of a game. They were down 17 yeah, that's yesterday. The, that's the most maybe, entertaining part. You know, maybe, maybe if uh, if Baylor's first or second best player, you know, yeah. doesn't get hurt, it, it, it remains a double-digit game and it ends that way. I think they make a run, but it's probably not in that they, You know they're going to make, you yeah, always yeah. know they're going to make a run. They're unflappable. Um, you know, the, the, the way the players feel empowered to take the big shot um, they're tremendous. She's tremendous. She deserves all the credit in the world. It's it's really unfortunate that that they didn't get the second straight national title. But you know what? I don't. They didn't. They didn't deserve it. Uh, Baylor was the better team from from start to almost all the way to finish. Uh, but all it would have taken was you know a couple free throws from the player that did unbelievable things in the in the final four last year. So all and, the credit and in the overtime. World. Let's and, you're right. I would have favored Notre Dame in overtime though, and I. Because you're, you're without your best players at Baylor. True, and and certainly that that that's it was trending Notre Dame's way down down the stretch. But great job of the Notre Dame women's basketball team. Uh, back on the football practice field early Tuesday morning. You know the drill. Instant analysis afterwards. Podcast Wednesday, Friday, spring game Saturday. We're coming at you. We're going to be with you here uh, all week. Please join us again on Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs>